It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. The Dominator is back, folks, and back in the building. The band is back together tonight, Bradley. That's a lot of Bs. That's a lot of alliteration right there. Billy Bradley back again. Billy Bradley band back together. All this alliteration. But we have the old crew, Bradley, the original fantasy football fanalists, back in the house tonight doing some projection reviews, in particular reviewing the NFC North. There's no show sheet tonight, folks. We are literally just going to be looking at our notes. We're going to be talking two men here with one with a Jack and Coke, one with a glass of wine, and we're going to be talking projections, and we're going to be talking about the, the go ahead, the Bears, the Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, the, your Packers, <laughs> and who used to be our Lions. <laughs> yes, that's right. Used to be our Lions. Hashtag probably still a little bit of my Lions. Um, I'm excited for the NFC North this year. It's, it's an exciting, exciting division. Right. We're looking at a lot of changes. We could see a guard change, right? Green Bay has finally lost. They've had what 30 straight years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. Now, you know, Mr. Love gets to step into some giant shoes, right? He's he's not only coming in in relief of, of Rogers, but also coming in now as what the the second quarterback now behind Brett Favre. If you think about it, like they've gone from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Good fucking luck, Jordan Love, right? Because those are some massive shoes to fill. But in the short time that we saw him last year, he performed pretty well, right? Bradley's like, no, he did not. I... <laughs> I'll, I'll save my Jordan Love speech for uh, for <laughs> like two minutes from now. But I'll I won't stop you, Billy. Keep going. <laughs> um, I actually have higher hopes than you do for Green Bay, and I get it. You're the resident Packer fan. You have um, high standards for this team. And by all means, you should, because they have been, in my opinion, undercoached. And they should have probably two or three more Super Bowls than they do right now because of the Hall of Fame quarterback play that they've had. 
Nonetheless, I think Jordan Love is actually in a position where he is going to succeed. I like the running game. I like one and a half of his weapons in the receiving game, maybe two. Um, and I think that overall, they made some 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 picks in the draft that are going to set them up for the future. This is the team that consistently attacks the defensive side of the ball in, in early in the draft, right? They attack the offensive side of the ball in rounds two and round three. And it's what we saw them do here when they added Luke Musgrave and they added uh, Jaden Reed. And so these two players in particular, players that I was high on coming into the draft, uh, and I'm excited to see where they landed because there was a lot of vacated targets. There was a lot of opportunity for them to succeed. And you knew I liked Romeo last year, but he's not like this exceptional player that's going to fend off all these all these these targets from the other other players as well. So I'm excited for the Packers this year. I know you're not, but we'll dive into that more. How you been, buddy? I'm doing well. We're almost at the end of the school year, too. So we're getting tests testing out of the way. Uh, but it's even more exciting because now I can just focus on football and getting these projections in. And, and Billy texted me earlier this week. He was like, Hey, how he got your projections done yet? Cause I had told him a couple weeks ago, I'm working on it. Uh, and then he asked me, uh, do you have these ones done? And I said, I will for this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm ready to talk about the NFC North in particular, I said, you know, it'd be great to chat about the Packers and their prospects. And and uh, there are some things that you brought up in the intro about the Packers that that I'm eager to dive into when it came to making these initial projections. And of course, you know, Player Profiler puts out really strong projections and rankings throughout the year. So I want to make sure that uh, that you're taking a look at all of those as they come out. And they're they're bound to change as we get more information. Um, as you know, the, the Packers get more reps in or, or any of the other teams, or like even today, we saw uh, Zadarius Smith get traded to the Cleveland Browns. That could make a shift for the Vikings on their defense um, and it could change uh, just a little bit in how offenses are attacking uh, the Vikings defense in particular. So um, anything else, Billy? No, I'm, I'm just excited to talk about projections. I, I, this is, of course, you and I, love projections we talked about them all the time we still talk about them all the time it's our origin story billy it's our origin story you know it's where you and i both came from is uh together drafting in sleeper deciding that we want to do projections and and to to get them out you know and then we we kicked them off and we realized that we're pretty fucking good at this and and next thing you know boom here we are player profiler now it's 2023 so let's Let's just dive in. Do you want to start with your Packers? Do you want to throw them in the middle? Do you want to end with your Packers? How do you want to do this? You know what? Let's let's put the put the cheese in the oven, okay? Yeah, for <laughs> uh, let me pull up the the Packers projections here. Um, yeah, it's it's not pretty. Uh, but one of the things that I I found my initial reaction to the Packers was it's it was difficult for me to fill in the gaps because as you mentioned, they brought in a lot of new. Uh, new players like uh, they have Lou Nicholas drafted late, you know, running back uh, Dontavion Wicks, uh, Jaden Reed. You mentioned earlier Grant DuBose as a late round wide receiver, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft. I'm just not sure how these very small pieces could grow. And that's one of the things that I struggled with in projecting uh, all of these other pieces, because we know the big stones when it comes to, for instance, the target shares. Uh, we know Christian Watson is going to get 
somewhere between 20 and 25% target share. I think that's going to be a pretty safe range for him week to week. So I put him at 22% target share on the season, uh, 130 targets, 80 receptions, 62% completion per, uh, reception perception. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Slow yeah. down, slow down. Christian yeah. Watson, you said 22% target share. Yeah, 80 catches uh, for uh, 130 targets, okay. uh, 1,168 receiving yards, and okay. eight and a half touchdowns. Okay, wow. So you probably have him in your top 15 then. Um, uh, so his half point PPR points came out to, and this is assuming 17 games, uh, yep. 214 points, which would have put him at about wide receiver nine last year. So I think his ceiling would be a top 10 wide receiver. So if I'm drafting him and I have drafted Christian Watson this year, uh, I'm viewing him as a, an upside best ball, high a dot like low end wide receiver one ceiling. Uh, so maybe like a low end, low to mid wide receiver two would be a fair price for Christian Watson. And that's about where he's going uh, on underdog. I need to refresh my, my sheet here, but uh, Watson's going as wide receiver 22 on underdog. So a later, you know, back end of the wide receiver two pool. I think that's fair. Well, before we jump into my projections, let's get a quick sponsor from our underdog. Or a quick word from our sponsor from our from I can't even say it tonight. Holy crap, Bradley. Let's get a quick word from our sponsor, Underdog. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's take a moment to talk about Underdog Fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up. Thousands have signed up from Player Profile already over the years. Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you see on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app, plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD, and they're making the NBA fun. Their NBA pickums. It's changed my Wednesday night. It's changed my Sunday afternoon. I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. I mean, the best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly. And you can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? Well, what better place than in an underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pickems. It's important to correlate those NFL pickems. 
You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations, correlate them, and you can 5X your payout. Bada bing, bada boom. Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is Underworld. For an instant deposit match up to $100, Underdog is the truest friend of the Underworld. Bada beam, bada boom. That's right. Let's talk Christian Watson. So you and I haven't projected for the same exact target share, 22%. Um, I am slightly less bullish on the overall pass attempts of the offense. I have him at 126.5. You had him at 130, you said. Um, I have him at 77 and a half catches. So two and a half catches less than you have him for. Uh, yards per reception, I'm at 14.35. It took a modest approach here. Took him to 1107 total receiving yards, and it took him to 7.2 touchdowns. So very similar. Um, I actually have him at 247 fantasy points in PPR, um, which he comes in as my wide receiver number 15 on the season. Uh, I've been owning a lot of Christian Watson inside of Underdog, inside of FPC. Uh, I've been drafting him because of his, his, his discount compared to the rankings and where he's going. Like you mentioned earlier, he's going as wide receiver 22 on, on Underdog right now. And I love being able to take advantage of the ADP. Uh, we all know Watson is a dog in, 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 in the words of Cody here. Um, and he was absolutely right on Christian Watson last year. I was wrong. I'll say that. The, so other, was I. Re- so the was I. other receiver that I like in this offense this year is Jaden Reed. So Jaden Reed was drafted with pick uh, 19 in the second round, comes out of Michigan State, 5'11", 191 pounds, comes out with a you know, 4'5", 4'5", 40-yard dash, which was in the 79th percentile. So he's not like uber athletic, but he's a good route runner. This offense has a lot of vacated targets, 258 vacated targets in this offense, 2,575 vacated air yards to be exact, Bradley. So a lot of opportunity in this offense. I actually have him projected as the number two option in the passing game, 15% of the target share. That's 86.2 targets. I have him for 53 and a half catches. 695 receiving yards and 4.1 touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs comes in just behind him at 14 and a half target share. It's this is why we do this, Billy. I had Jaden Reed at 17% target share, 53 catches, 700 yards, and three touchdowns on the year. Uh, I do agree with you that he is the going to be the second option here. When you draft a wide receiver in the second round, and there's not a lot of other options, he's going to be pushed in pretty immediately. And it wouldn't surprise me if, yeah, maybe during the first like four weeks or six weeks, it's Romeo Dubs as the wide receiver too. But we expect that Jaden Reed will be the second wide receiver in this offense come the second half of the season and hold on to that pretty strongly. So if you're drafting on underdog, especially in the for tournament purposes, Maybe not necessarily season long, but for tournament purposes, Jaden Reed should be a stronger consideration for you, given his possibility of spiking later on. Um, And with how I view how the Green Bay Packers will play, um, it may be that they're throwing a lot more than we expect, uh, given given uh, the state of the team and the state of the offense. So. Yeah, How many pass I, attempts do you have for, for Jordan Love? Let's start there. Okay, so I I took 17 games. Uh, I did not, because sometimes I'll put it 15 or 16 games. Yeah, 17 games, 575 pass attempts. I have the entire offense going for 590 or so. Um, so 
that would be about a 56% pass rate. I have a 1,045 plays uh, approximately. So Jordan Love, they're going to be thrown 56% of the time. I think that's going to be adjusted based on game script, uh, or that's why it is that's a little higher. But Jordan Love, 4,300 yards, 23 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, and doesn't do much on the ground. Uh, one rushing touchdown I have projected. So he's a he's not a quarterback consideration is anything more than a low-end quarterback two for me. Yeah. Uh, right now, his ceiling is quarterback 15. I think it's about right. Yeah. I think that's his ceiling right now. Uh, there's just, like, we like Christian Watson, and we have optimism about Jaden Reed, but there are no other proven uh, wide receiver or tight end options. And we'll talk about the running backs here in a little bit, but I mean, it, there's just limiting factors when you're trying to throw the ball down the field and you're throwing to a first and second year wide receiver. Yeah. So Jordan Love comes in as my quarterback 21, but just to kind of put things in perspective for folks from 17 to 21 is separated by like 10 fantasy points. And so it's a very tight group. And then there's like, a 10 point gap from there. And then like 15 through like 12 is another like 10 points between those. So we're really talking about 20 fantasy points that could potentially be anywhere from quarterback 12, quarterback 20. And so everyone knows in fantasy that being able to find that back in quarterback one at a discount, like Jordan love is what really helps you win some of your matchups. I think he has the opportunity to outproduce his ADP. I do. I like the running game. He's got two exceptional running backs with with Dylan and with Aaron Jones. I mean, they could lean heavily into this running game. They could play, you know, they could go split backs and they can dump it off. One one can one can lead and the other one can block. I mean, there's so many things that they can do. They can go into the flats. They can they can Aaron Jones, is a great receiver, so he can go out and run in the slot even. So there's plenty of options for them if love is struggling. And I think that that's why I like him this year, because. He has a dynamic receiver in Watson. He has the outlet of the running backs that he can lean on. And quite frankly, I like Musgrave as well. Comes out of Bend, Bend local here. <laughs> uh, Got to throw that out there. Just have to say it. Uh, but what did you project his target share for? Because like I was, when I first, when he when we first got drafted, it was like this team got updated like three times in like an hour when I was. Doing- well, because the Tucker Craft had, you know, selection yeah, maybe an hour later. <laughs> Musgrave, and then it was like, oh man, I'm liking the Musgrave pick, right? Yeah. It was Jaden Reed, it was Tucker Craft, and it was like we were constantly coming back to this live projections update with Green Bay. Right. Nonetheless, nonetheless, Luke Musgrave is athletic. And I I like him. I think this is the exact tight end that I think this offense needs. When you have a quarterback who's inexperienced like love in the NFL now, right? He hasn't seen a lot of action. They typically lean on two positions, sometimes three. Tight end is, is usually one of them. The slot receiver is the other, and the running back, of course, in the flats, the dump-offs. So I think Kraft is more of a blocker. I think Musgrave is more of the receiving tight end. I'm excited for Musgrave. I have met 9% target share, so it's not like this exceptionally high number, but it is 52 targets right inside of his rookie campaign it is 37 receptions roughly it's 459 receiving yards and 2.9 touchdowns where where do you have him yeah i i have a similar target share but not as high of a yards per target or 
receiving touchdowns. Uh, I have Musgrave at nine, but I think they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. And if you're saying, you know, there's going to be split backs, I think is as equally possible that they throw out Musgrave and Kraft. They yep. also they have a respectable blocking tight end, Josiah DeGuara, but uh, Tucker Kraft was Can also... Can you say that name again for me, please? Josiah DeGuara. That's pretty good pronunciation. Thank you. I, <laughs> I was... Uh, in the pre-show meeting, I was like, DeGuara, 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 DeGuara. Uh, <laughs> but, but back in 2021, for South Dakota State, Tucker Kraft, 65 receptions on 84 targets, 770 receiving yards and six touchdowns for the Jackrabbits. So this was not just a blocking tight end as we've seen in, you know, in a lot of chatter. Kraft is also a very good receiving option. And so I'm not as down on Kraft. I think it's Musgrave and Kraft, not just Musgrave there. So I have them neck and neck. And that's what I think going to limit the upside of Musgrave is that I think Kraft is a, is a, a decent enough athlete and has history of production. And he got third round draft capital on a team that like, are they going to lean on some Mori Torre Devon Tavion Wicks? Like they're going to run a lot of Watson and either dubs or Reed and then craft and Musgrave. Like it's a 12 personnel scenario uh, that the Packers are, if you're saying they're going to conserve and save love, it makes sense that they're going to put him in positions to have as many safety outlets as possible. Like they don't have full confidence in Jordan Love. It's why they didn't extend him in that fifth year option. They like compromised. Like <laughs> they they said, signed well, to extension. right, signed to an extension because they you know wanted to at least sign him a you know extend a peace offering. But it it is not a sign of confidence that they they didn't extend a fifth year option when they could have. And this is your quarterback for the future that you spent a first round pick on and burned your hall of fame quarterbacks career, like ending his career because of this selection. So uh, uh, Bill, you need to stop me before I rant about the, the GM <laughs> Guten Kunst, uh before I start ranting again, but yeah. <laughs> All right. We need to move on to the Let's, running back. So we're I, never going to get to, uh, I agree with you on, team. I agree with you on 12 personnel. Like I have yep. Tucker craft that six and a half percent target share. Right. So it's, it's like 15 targets less than, than, than Musgrave. But like to, to your point, running backs here, Aaron Jones, I have at 12%. AJ mm-hmm. Dillon, I have at 6%. Um, in, so for Aaron Jones, that's 69 targets, 51 receptions, 367 and a half yards in the air and 3.8 touchdowns. Uh, AJ Dillon, that's 34 targets. That's 27 receptions, 205 receiving yards and 1.9 receiving touchdowns. And then on the ground, these two are the only running backs that really matter. So we can skip the rest of the, the likes of Tyler Goodson and, and Lou Nichols and Patrick Taylor. Patrick so Taylor. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon only. Uh, none of them are projected for over 200 rushing attempts. I have them one Aaron Jones for 190, AJ Dillon for 181. Um, 4.7 yards per carry for, for Aaron Jones, 4.4 yards per carry for AJ Dillon. And then I have 894 rushing yards for Aaron Jones, 797 rushing yards for AJ Dillon. Uh, and then I have 5.3 touchdowns on the ground for Aaron Jones, 6.6 touchdowns on the ground for AJ Dillon. How do you, how does that compare to yours? I think we're seeing the receiving for Aaron Jones very similarly. I have him at 12 and a half percent. 51 receptions, 405 receiving yards, 
and uh, two and a half receiving touchdowns. Jones on the ground, though, I think that they're going to lean very heavily on him in the red zone. That's something they did not do uh, with Aaron Rodgers. I think that uh, that Jones will he's going to go bounce back. He only had two rushing touchdowns last year, so I think he's due for a little regression bump. I have him at 208 rush attempts, so just a little bit more than you, Billy, but in the right ballpark, 1,062 rush yards, nine rushing touchdowns, and then Dylan, 174 attempts, uh, 4.3 yards per carry, 747 rush yards, six rush touchdowns. Uh, I think the ceiling, so I, I did some ceiling projections for Jones, and his ceiling is about running back seven for me right now. And for Dylan, it's running back 23. So I think that, you know, Dylan, of course, we know the narrative. He is the handcuff that you want in this Green Bay offense, but he also has standalone value. What's your mean projection for Jones? You have him like at running back 12, 15 range? Yeah, I think that that's, I think uh, 12 to 15, but he has spike week potential. Like if if he gets the, he gets the dump offs, he's better in best ball than in redraft. uh, And that's the, Like uh, he's going right now on underdog as the uh, where is it running back 16. I think that's a tad low for Aaron Jones in best ball. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, we could probably sit here and just do a Packers show all night, but people are here for other teams as well. (laughs) They are. are. So (laughs) let's let's move over to let's do the Lions because Jared Goff was pretty upset that Aaron Rodgers moved on from this from this this division because he wanted to beat him twice a year. And um, <laughs> that was the quote we saw. Um, I'm going to start my projections off with Goff, who I'm actually pretty high on this year. I have him for 552 passing attempts. I have him for a 66.2% completion percentage. I have him for 4,087 yards. I have him for 27.6 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. On the ground, not much, just 22 attempts for 56 rushing yards and 1.3 rushing touchdowns. He comes in in my rankings as quarterback number 18, but it is a fraction of a point behind Daniel Jones at quarterback 17 and only a couple points behind quarterback 16 and quarterback 15. So there's a lot of wiggle room here. I think if Jamison Williams had not been suspended for the first six weeks, he would have remained as my quarterback 14. Um, that did put a little damper on things for him. I did knock him down a slight peg from his touchdown rate. Uh, and, and because we have to, right, you lose a dynamic speed burner like that. You're going to have to at least make some adjustments. It helps that they went out and got Gibbs inside round one, pick 12, which was crazy. Um, we don't need to keep talking about that. That's all anybody's talking about. But, um, overall this projection, I'm excited for what Goff is going to do. Looks like the lions are committed. And I am excited to see what he does this year in the offense. I am also excited partly because of what we saw last year and partly because I live 25 minutes outside the city of Detroit and the, the, the lions fans are, are they're They're feeling two things. They're feeling two main things. So I'll give you the inside scoop here as your resident uh, lions reporter that the lions fans are feeling both optimistic and excited because they have tremendous momentum. I mean, they're they the Lions were chosen to open the season against the Kansas City Chiefs for the reason of momentum. Yeah, right. That was that was the reason they, they were on was fire. Like, 
they won what like eight or nine of the last 11 games knocked off the Packers in Lambeau to bump Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. Like absolutely. This team is, is something. And I also want to point out Jared Goff last year. Like, I think we are undervaluing what he can bring to the table, even without Jamison Williams last year, Jared Goff was quarterback four in rate of top five weeks among quarterbacks. This was this is a spike week king who, yeah, he may not have Jamison Williams for the first six weeks, but can still he still has weapons. They still have Josh Reynolds and Khalif Raymond who can break off huge plays. Just all you need is one. All you need is two. And then they bring back a solid player like Marvin Jones Jr. Yeah, he's not what he used to be, but he's trusted and old and reliable. So what did you call him? Solid? Yeah, he was solid. That's it. That's that nothing special. But just solid. Marvin Jones Jr. You know, Uh, I've always had this affinity for Marvin Jones. (laughs) Jared Goff, I am extremely bullish on because I want people to draft him in all of the best ball leagues and take the discount. Right now, you mentioned what? He's quarterback 16, 18, wherever he's falling. Yeah. Yeah. He's quarterback 17 right now in underdog fantasy. You know what the perfect combination last year was for quarterbacks? If you didn't have somebody like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. There was a combo that was money. Well, Jared Goff is one of the guys. Jared Goff was one of them. Do you know the first one was the beginning of the season? It was the, it was a bookend. It was beginning season, end of season. Carson Wentz. It was Wentz. Let's go, baby. <laughs> yeah, actually, so I have I pulled that up. Uh, Carson Wentz. So Jared Goff was fourth. I mentioned in rate of spike weeks, uh, top five, top five weeks. Carson Wentz was sixth. Carson yeah. Wentz was sixth. But. We won. I think it was. Uh, I think it was the. Do- I think it was like a, a ten thousand dollar payout in. Mm. And we had Wentz and Goff as our quarterbacks. It was. It, it was a little. A little sketchy at times, but <laughs> it, it. It definitely panned out. But listen to the stretch. So they won eight of ten. So you. You were right. very close on that down the stretch. Weeks. Weeks thirteen. Goff was quarterback four in points per game. Week fourteen, he was quarterback four. Week fifteen, seventeen, still, still solid. Week 16, quarterback two. Week 17, quarterback seven. And I, I think this offense is going to be better even this year. Like, I, I burned 100 hours last year and put 100 hours on the Lions to win the division. It didn't happen. I was a year early, it looks like. Nonetheless, they had a very dynamic receiving back with Jameer Gibbs, who had like a 93rd percentile, you know, um, receiving grade out of college. We have, of course, I think a better move for the running back position here. Like, they went out and they got... David Montgomery, who, in my opinion, is much better back than Jamal Williams was last year in his career. I had assumed this role to be very similar, right? The the thunder and lightning role, but I think Gibbs is a lot more involved than Swift was for sure. Nonetheless, I do think that they go back to the recipe of success that worked with David Montgomery pricing the bulk of the, the early down work, pricing a bulk of the red zone carries. I have both these running backs inside my top 24. Yeah, that's not surprising. Uh, I think that that totally works for an offense that we expect to hum. Like Jared Goff, I have projected for well, 17 games, full season, everything, all the whole shebang, 4,800 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, 12 picks, does nothing on the ground. But you mentioned the running backs. I have it a 208 to 173 split for Montgomery to Gibbs. What, what so I think it, uh, 208 to 173. I have a 47%. Very close rush share for David Montgomery and a 39% for Jameer Gibbs. So I'm at 48 Montgomery, 38 Gibbs. We're very close. 
220, 220 attempts for Montgomery, 174 yeah. for Gibbs. I don't have either backs over 1,000 yards, though. 924 mm-hmm. for Montgomery, 785 for Jameer Gibbs. I have David Montgomery for about seven and a half touchdowns, Jameer Gibbs for 6.8. So they're both in that, that area. Um, where the difference is, of course, is in the receiving game. I yes. have, like I said, Jameer Gibbs was, you know, 14.7%. Uh, college target share, which was 93rd percentile, the stat I couldn't spit out earlier. Um, and then we have <coughs> him this year projected for eight and a half percent target share, which is roughly 50 targets for 75 completion percentage or sorry, reception or catch percentage for 38 receptions. So I have him for 322 yards in the air and another two and a half scores um, through the air. So that gets him just under 10 total touchdowns for the season. Yeah, I see it uh, split pretty similarly as well. David Montgomery. Uh, taking a bat back seat in the receiving game to Gibbs. Um, you know, what do you Montgomery's target share at? Like five and a half, six, six, five percent. I was a little more bullish on Jameer Gibbs. I have him at a 12% target share, and he's going to step into that DeAndre Swift role where we saw Swift get four, five, six, seven targets. And if if they're ahead, they're going to just give Montgomery some carries. But if they're yeah. behind, you know, it's going to be Jameer Gibbs playing first down, second down, third down, like Gibbs is capable of in spurts playing three downs. He's not going to handle, you know, the 20 carries and he's not going to be your three down back, but he is capable of handling some series for three downs and, and playing catch up. So I think Jameer Gibbs, uh, his ceiling for me, I did some ceiling projections is running back 12. And I think that that's going to work out pretty well. Uh, we saw time and again last year, DeAndre Swift get stopped the one yard line. And then it was Jamal Williams, you know, ramming it in across the goal. Falling in. Okay. Yes. Tumbling <laughs> the offensive line, like let him in, but he, credit where credit's due. Jamal Williams, you know, did his job and did it well, got paid, uh, got paid in new Orleans. But I agree with you. I think that it, it does fit for David Montgomery to be that goal line running back. But I don't think he's going to get the 17 touchdowns that Jamal Williams. No. I have him for eight, eight touchdowns there and one receiving touchdown. Yeah, I, that that touchdown outlaw. You can't chase those touchdowns, right? No. I have him for a seven and a half there. I think that's realistic. Seven and a half, eight. You could probably stretch is probably a ten, right? But I, I wouldn't go much higher than that. Um, let's talk about these receivers because my favorite receiver this year. And I'm really high on him this year. Like, you know how I felt about Diggs last year. I have to say, I found a new love in the receiving game, and that is going to be Amon Rossi Brown. Bradley. I thought you were going to say Marvin Jones Jr. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of always been that, like, go-to staple there at the backside, right? If I, if I get, all right. else fails, I just go to Marvin Jones, right? Round 20. Round 20, Marvin Jones. Round 20, Marvin He's climbing up now, Bradley. He's in round 19 now. So he's Oh, how no dare longer. he? How dare he raise his ADP? <laughs> Yeah. Screwing over so, your Lions decks. <laughs> um, I might be over bullish here on Amon Ross St. Brown. I have him for 29% target share this year. So it's 170 targets. It was roughly 26.5% of the target share prior to Jamison Williams getting suspended. So I did give him a, a significant bump. That being said, I have him for 115 receptions, 1,200 yards, and nine and a half touchdowns. He Bradley comes in as my wide receiver number seven. And I'm like this close to putting him at five. Like it, I have the, like Diggs, Lamb, and Amon Ross St. Brown clustered together. And 
Lamb, offense, new offensive coordinator, scares me a little bit. Diggs is getting a little older. We don't know what's going to happen with him. I mean, he was healthy last year, but he does have some come with some injury concerns. Amon Ross St. Brown is just a fucking baller. Like, I loved watching Hard Knocks last year, and like he lists off every single wide receiver name. He's got grit. You can't teach grit. You either have it or you don't have it. And we always talk about projections, and I always talk about the human element. Amon Ross St. Brown has it, man. He has what I look for when I'm like evaluating players and I look at players and say, does he have that determination? Does he have that grit? Does he have that drive? Is he just going to work harder than every other motherfucker on the field? And the answer is yes. We see it happen. We saw it in hard knocks. We see where he plays. I mean, let me just read off a couple of these stats real quick. Target rate last year, 32.3% wide receiver. Number three. Okay. Let's hop into receptions. He was wide receiver five in receptions. 106 last year. Yards per route run, 2.57. Wide receiver, nine. Okay. We have expected fantasy points added. Wide receiver, five with plus 77.4. We have fantasy points per route run. Wide receiver, number six. He came in as the wide receiver, seven in total fantasy points. His route win rate. He just wins routes. He's a dog, right? Like, like Cody's language is rubbing off on me. So I start a dog. We can start barking now. We're talking about Amon Ross St. Brown. Route win rate, 52.8%. Wide receiver, number two. Target rate versus man, number five. Win rate versus man, number seven. He won the 14th most routes in the league with 234 route wins last year. And I think that now he's the clear alpha. There's no Jamison Williams for six weeks. Yes, they had a Marvin Jones. He's good. He's not great. He's at this point in his career. He's on the tail end. He's solid, like you said. Josh Reynolds was surprisingly good last year, who comes in as like the third option in the passing game for me. And then it comes in number four, Sam Laporta. Walk me through your receiving receivers in this offense. I share your bullishness on Amon Ross St. Brown. I have him for a 27%. Like, but I mean, it's easy to plug in Amon Ross St. Brown to 27 plus percent target share. And then you just see the fancy points drip. Yeah. And I, I haven't projected for 127 receptions, 172 targets, 1300 receiving yards between seven and eight receiving touchdowns and in half point PPR, 247 points. Uh, I think wide receiver seven is perfectly acceptable uh, at that spot because he's going as wide receiver 10. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see the narrative for, as you mentioned, the Dallas issues, uh, Devontae Adams getting older in a Jimmy G offense, uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, maybe taking a step back in his efficiency, getting up to 30 years old. We know we love Philadelphia's offense. We love A.J. Brown's talent, but we always have the concern about the pass volume yep. and whether or not it's going to be a spike week or not for him. Amon Ross St. Brown is as safe as you're going to get for a mid-pack wide receiver one, and he's going to produce day in, day out, and it's going to be hard for the Lions to move away from him. I could see this turning into a, even when Jamison Williams returns, a DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller scenario, where it is you know, still DeAndre Hopkins as the number one receiver on this team, but uh, Will Fuller will also have his spike weeks, and same thing with Jamison Williams coming back He's got great speed. I have Jamison Williams 
uh, projected for, uh, I had it 20 or 21% per game, but I had to adjust that for his suspension. So only a 14% target share on the season. It's higher than me. 51 receptions, uh, 860 yards, uh, about four touchdowns. So I think that that is uh, a fair adjustment for Jamison Williams. He's going to offer some spike weeks and in season long best ball or in redraft, he's a hold or a fade or a wait for the value. Whereas in best ball leagues, I don't mind taking him, you know, at ADP. Uh, you mentioned a couple other later options, Marvin Jones, Jr., Josh Reynolds, Cleef Raymond. If you're planning to stack with Lions, like just rotate through those guys. We don't know who's going to like, We just don't know who firmly is going to be, you know, the number three receiving option for the wide receivers. Uh, but it could be any one of those. And that's it's Marvin why, Jones. <laughs> well, maybe for the touchdowns, if you want to go for a touchdown upside, uh, Marvin Jones uh, has a history. I was looking through like historical touchdown rates for these wide receivers. And Amon Ross St. Brown has a 4.1% career touchdown rate. Marvin Jones is 6.5. That's all he does. Like he just, if you look back, like there was like three out of four years, he scored nine touchdowns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 2017, nine touchdowns. 2018, he got hurt. Cause if he had played the full season, he would score nine. And then it was 2019. He had nine touchdowns, 2020, nine touchdowns. It was like, all you had to do is just kind of put nine. In that's that taxes line. and Marvin Jones is scoring touchdowns. <laughs> yes. uh, look, he returns to an offense that needs him for the first six games. They need a veteran presence. Where he came from. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. Laporta is going to step in pretty early. There's a lot of Twitter buzz about the cumulative tight ends scoring a lot of fantasy points for the Detroit Lions last year. I think it was like if you added all the tight end points together, it would have been tight end two or three or something like that. Uh, I don't know if I would be like that bullish on an individual one, except for if you want to throw in Sam Laporta, but Laporta is getting drafted at like, uh, was it tight end? He's climbing 23, tight end 23. Yeah. And I think that's fine. As long as he stays in the tight end twenties, if he starts getting, you know, above, I mean, I think the ceiling for him right now is tight end 18. Like I don't see him going ahead of Tyler Higby. I don't see him going ahead of Dolchich at this point. Anyways, uh, could he eventually, you know, could he outproduce those guys? Yeah. But based on who else is there, I think his ceiling right now for ADP is like tight end 18. Yeah. I, I, I'd probably agree with that. He, he might be able to hit like 15, 16, but you're splitting hairs at that point. Uh, he's my tight end 27 right now. Um, it, again, it's clustered for like four or five spots above there. So the amount of difference between tight end 23 to him is literally five fantasy points. That's, you know, not even a touchdown. And so it's it's all within the realm of possibilities. Laporte, I have for 9% of the target share, 53 targets, 37 and a half receptions, 460 receiving yards, and three and a half scores. Yeah, Laporte, 37 receptions, 380 receiving yards, three touchdowns, 9% share. So very similar. Not You don't want to get, and this is for those who are new to fantasy football, Rookie tight ends, even if they're drafted highly in the first or second round, it takes time for these players to develop, to learn. Because the tight end position, they are not only receivers, but they're also blockers in many times. And so they need to learn not only route running, but also blocking schemes at the NFL level. And that takes extra time to bring it all together and for the coaches to trust them. So as much as we like 
Laporta's talent and many of the other, you know, tight early tight ends, like first, second round tight ends. The reality is, is it, it may take a little bit for those guys to hit. Well, let's move on to the Bears. And I want to talk about a quarterback that I'm not as high on as everybody else is. Mm. So everyone has Justin Fields inside their top five. I have him as quarterback seven. And so I have some concerns. One, we saw this offense. There was the lowest lowest amount of passing volume in, in the league last year. This, this year, I gave him a slight boost in efficiency. They're bottom three still inside of my projections. I don't think that he's going to be able to keep running like he did last year to be able to, to maintain his, his fantasy points. Because let's face it, he was not a great passer. He struggled. I think he'll take a step forward. Don't get me wrong. But I don't have him projected for this just ridiculous amount. People are projecting him for like a thousand rushing yards. And it's within the realm of possibilities. But I take a little bit more of a conservative approach, especially when a team goes out and signals they want to pass more. They go out and grab somebody like DJ Moore, right? They go ahead and, and draft somebody like Tyler Scott, right? They go out and get a bruising running back like Dante Foreman and Roshan Johnson. This tells me that they want their quarterback to run less. And so I, of course, adjusted the projection down for Justin Fields because of their actions. But let's start with his passing attempts. We'll work over to his rushing sure. attempts. I have him for 486 passing attempts this season. Um, he, I do have him over 60. I have 61% completion percentage. So we look at his last two-year average. It was below 60%. Um, I have him for 21 passing touchdowns, and I have him for 13 interceptions, roughly. 3,400 passing yards. Um, on the rushing share, I have him for 25% of the rushing share, which is 128 rushing attempts. I have him for 787 rushing yards and 7.7 rushing touchdowns. Quarterback seven, like I said earlier. For me, I think we see a lot of Justin Fields similarly. Uh, I have it at 17 games, so keep that in mind in my in how my projections go. But I have him at 461 pass attempts. Uh, one thing you mentioned earlier, it is Chicago does not pass the ball very much, and they didn't last uh, the last year. Or even in 2021, you know, when Matt Nagy was the play caller, only 55% pass rate. They dropped to 40.4% pass percent pass rate last year. Uh, I did not go that low. What did I put it at? I had it as a 48% pass rate. So I did bump it up significantly, but still only 3,500 passing yards. 20 touchdowns, 17 picks. I think if they pass more, he's probably going to make more mistakes. So I think that interception, uh, the interceptions are going to be a little higher. I have the rush share larger. I have it at 31%. That was his median last year. I didn't want to vary very too much from that median rush share at 31%. Uh, 140 rush attempts, 940 rush yards, six rushing touchdowns. So I think it all pretty much washes out here, Billy, to seeing Justin Fields in a similar light. Like there is more downside than upside when you're drafting him as the quarterback five and you're expecting him to immediately take this step forward. I just don't trust that the coaching staff themselves are able to develop Justin Fields in the way that's going to make him an elite not just rusher, but also passer. Like, yes, they went out and got DJ Moore, 
we saw DJ more flounder with mediocre quarterbacks in the past, at least passing wise. Uh, and so I think there are reasons for pessimism for Justin Fields and pathways to failure um, for, for fields here. I want to be in on fields, but there's also, there's this risk. And you mentioned the running backs also taking away. Like if, if the narrative falls the way you say that Khalil Herbert and Donta Foreman and Roshan Johnson, who could all be rotated through yep. eat into that rush share that could drop down. And that's the difference in the fantasy points and our perspective for Justin Fields. So looking at where he's going on underdog fantasy, uh, Justin Fields is going as the quarterback five behind Lamar Jackson. I think he needs to fall a little bit, uh, you know, behind Burrow. Even he was going ahead of Lamar for a while until the, the contract yeah. situation was resolved, but I agree. Like he should be behind Burrow. Honestly, probably behind Herbert as well because of the amount of passing volume that Herbert's going to see. Right. I mean, he still threw the most in the NFL last year. I know we're not talking about the, that, that, that division right now, but he threw for the most attempts in the league last year with that, the collarbone injury or the shoulder, or whatever it was and a broken rib. Like yep. he's healthy with Kellen Moore now. Forget about it. Oh, so I'm so in on Justin, uh, Justin Herbert, by the way, you're, 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 Oh, you're in. Yes. I'm yes. so in on Justin yeah, Herbert. Okay, good. Um, uh, one last thing about Justin Fields, and you know, we got a lot of uh, there. There was a lot of narrative at the beginning of the season for Eberflus to say, you know, what I'm only going to have him attempt the the first three games, 17, 11, and 17 pass attempts, and we thought this was terrible. Justin Fields is in trouble. Blah blah blah. And then he goes on this stretch of like quarterback five, quarterback eight, five, one, seven, five, etc. And like he rattled Eight, off six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. <laughs> I'm so glad we got the band back together. But <laughs> but if we look even after the bye week and I know that Fields was dealing with some injuries near the end of the season. But even <laughs> after the bye week, uh, we're talking 21, 23, 21 pass attempts. This coaching staff still didn't trust Justin Fields to throw the ball at he exceeded 25 pass attempts twice twice in 15 games that is extremely concerning and i bumped him up 20 percent, and wow. i still think that that's you know i feel like that's even aggressive so billy yeah, i did the same thing i was 15 15 bump in production they're still the third lowest expected pass volume offense in the league the only two behind them right now would be atlanta and tennessee yep, yep. um you look, I mean, do you do you blame them for not wanting to throw? I mean, 58.9% completion percentage in his rookie year. Last year, 60.4. He's not accuracy is not a strength of his. He's shown success when he just tucks the ball and run. Which is wild, Billy. The he, Justin Fields was arguably one of the most accurate college passers when he was at Ohio State. So that's the thing. It's like, I okay, and this is what drives me nuts because everyone is. I, and I get it. It's the only thing we have to compare for a player coming from college right. to the NFL. But it is a completely different game. You may be accurate versus accountants that you're not going to be accurate against pro-level athletes at times. And so there's a large jump coming from college to the NFL. And some people, they just can't get acclimated to the speed. Things are coming at them faster. Defenses are designing things to hide. And they get thrown off guard. And they're just not trained that well in college to read the defenses like they're like, like they're actually there. And so it's tough for some of these 
kids to transition well, and from when college you transition to the NFL. from Ohio State, which has you know they they have the Olaves and the Wilsons and all. We know that the wide receivers are excellent there, but when you transition from Ohio State, which is a a pro prep program, you know, like the Alabamas of the world, the LSU's, yeah. the Clemsons, like they're pro prep programs. But then you'd go to the Chicago Bears with Matt Nagy, who we know, right? Like you have to think that Matt Nagy actually ruined Justin Fields as a passer. Like it's I, possible. And that's like that is a lot of work to do for Eberflus and the rest I'll, of the coaches. I'll keep staff. my Matt Nagy comments. Last time I talked about Matt Nagy, I got flagged on YouTube for using some choice words. Um, <laughs> you almost lost monetization for the channel. <laughs> we we won't go into Matt Nagy tonight. But, uh, uh, but uh, let's move on to the running backs here. Let's let's yeah, let's do that. So because of the rushing attempts for the right. quarterback, none of these running backs are over thirty percent rush share in my projection. Oh, it's Khalil, ugly. It's ugly. I have, it is ugly. Khalil Herbert, 26% of the rush share. Roshan Johnson, I have for 25% of the rush share. Dante Foreman, 19% of the rush share. So the number one running back I actually have is 134 rushing attempts. And that's Khalil Herbert, right? And then you know he's going to be most likely the back between the 20s. They're probably going to mix in Foreman and Roshan Johnson and goal line and short yardage. Um, this is a pretty ugly backfield. I'm not excited about it at all. I was more excited about it before they drafted Roshan, uh, at least because we had a two-headed monster. But now with three-headed monster, I'm kind of out on all these guys. I mean, I'll throw a dart here and there on Roshan now, but I'm I'm pretty much out on these guys. I have Foreman leading the backfield, but only by a a, a smidge. And look, th- I'm it's probably the wrong call. But I liked what Foreman did last year. He looked, you know, the part. He was able to carry the load. He was trusted around the goal line. I have him at 161 attempts, less than 700 rushing yards, four touchdowns. But uh, all three of these running backs are, I project to have at least 58 fantasy points each. Like Khalil Herbert at 108, Foreman at 103, Rashawn at 58. Like, and maybe it's Roshan who just takes over this backfield in the offseason. And and we will we'll be listening very carefully because it could be any one of these three. Yeah. These are subject to change, folks. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, if you're if you're picking one, like we like the dynamism and the burst of Khalil Herbert, and we've seen a ceiling from him as well. He finished as the running back one in a week last year. But we also saw Donta Foreman be a capable running back and Roshan. Uh, the, the fourth round is the new third round, Billy, right? And mm, Roshan right. played well behind Bijan Robinson at Texas last year. And there's also a lot of character, uh, character props that the, the Chicago Bears have given to Roshan already. So I think there's a lot of positive things happening in this, uh, in this like running back room total. Like wh- whoever is going to be the lead back is going to be very effective because Justin Fields opens up lanes for for that running back. It's just a matter of we, we don't have the the clarity that you know we're going to wait a while and and see where this lands, but right now it's it, in, almost impossible to discern. Well, let's talk about the receiving game or the lack thereof, I should say, because when you're only throwing the ball for a total of in my projections 517 total pass attempts, um it's it's kind of hard to score fantasy points, Bradley. Um, I know people were excited about the DJ Moore move. People have heard me talk about it already. I'm not that excited about it. And again, it breaks down to the volume. <coughs> it, 
even at a 26% target share, which is by far and away the most inside of this wide receiver core, it's 135 targets, 134.4 to be exact, 79 receptions, a little over 1,000 receiving yards, 1,050, six and a half scores. He still comes in as my wide receiver number. It moved recently because of some other projections, not because I moved him, but because I moved players around him. And so he's now wide receiver 29. He went up one spot, Bradley. Once again, you and I see DJ Moore eye to eye. I have a 27% target share, 128 targets, 76 receptions, 1,073 receiving yards, and between four and five receiving touchdowns. His ceiling for me is wide receiver 19. And right. I think that you you mentioned it. You had him at wide receiver 27. I've mentioned on previous live streams and podcasts that he's going as wide receiver 19. And I don't feel comfortable with him until he's after wide receiver 24, 25. Exactly. That's that's the thing is there there are concerns about the not just his slice percentage. It's not that it's the pie itself. And he may be getting a large slice of the pie, but it's a small pie. It's not a fucking Costco pie, Bradley. I can tell you that. It's one of those <laughs> little like mini chicken pot pies you buy from the freezer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Merry calendars. <laughs> <like this> big. <laughs> it's mostly bread. It's mostly crust. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, next, I have Darnell Mooney as as slotting as the wide receiver too. Yep. Mooney last year had a 25% target share. 26% target rate, which was all respectable. We both probably see him as the wide receiver too in this Chicago Bears offense. But because of the small pie and because I expect his target share to bump down a little bit, uh, I Where have did you move 20, it to? 22%. I put him that was 20, more aggressive than I had him. I put him at 22, uh, 104 targets, 64 receptions, 760 receiving yards, and between three and four touchdowns. Darno Mooney burned me last year because uh, mm. prize picks had him at over under three and a half touchdowns. And I was like, smash the over. He's the only receiver in this bears yeah, off. I did the same thing. And he only got what? Like, I think he got like, what? Two, one. Maybe I don't one even remember. Touchdown. It was, it was two. It was two. It was, yeah. it was disastrous. It was disastrous. That was <laughs> One of the players I was the most wrong on last year because we thought it was just default. Only one who's going to get targets. It just didn't happen again. Well, when he you got don't the throw targets, the ball. It was it was even worse volume than what we thought. Yeah, exactly. Where do you have Claypool? Because he's an interesting one, right? So this is what this is what's also like DJ Moore. I I have twenty six targets. You said twenty seven, I believe. Uh, twenty seven for DJ Moore. Yeah, right. You have Mooney. At, I think you said twenty one. I have him at eighteen. Twenty two. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but nonetheless, Mooney was, like you said, a 25, 26% target share guy. Claypool has always been like a 17, 18% target share guy. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore has always been a 27 to 28% target guy. That's just not going to happen with all these guys now on the field. On top of it, you have Cole Komet, who's a 16% target share guy. So, for me, like, there's a scenario in which DJ Moore finishes outside the top 30 in receivers because that 26, 27% could go to 24%, 24.5% because yep. you could see Claypool, who I currently have projected for 11% of the target share. Mm. You could see Claypool go to 12, 13. We could see Cole Komet go 16 to 17. We could see Mooney closer to yours at 21%. 
Khalil Herbert could be used more in the passing game. Could go to 7%, 6%, right? That's the thing is all <clears> these moving parts. And even though DJ Moore, we view him as the alpha, he is extremely fragile because this passing offense is extremely fragile. So yeah. one little crumble in this pie, you know, we'll continue to milk this analogy. One yeah. little crumble in this pie. Use and- milk and Mary calendar spies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one little one little crumble in this pie can mess up the entire the entire projection. Like I have Claypool at fourteen percent, but here's the thing, Billy. I was uh, I was like, okay, I did all these projections. How off was I? And I was like, you know what? Humor me, Mike Clay. How far off was I on Mike Clay? Mike Clay has Chase Claypool projected for more fantasy points than Darnell Mooney, and like I think. I think that illustrates the fragility of the ancillary pieces in this Bears offense that we don't know who's going to fill in. Like, we hope that it's a Claypool bounce back. They spent the 201, the equivalent of the 201, to acquire him. So it was not nothing draft capital. And Claypool has produced in the past, even though he's gotten worse every year in all of the efficiency metrics. But maybe this is the bounce back scenario where he can just thrive in the slot. It's possible, but it's hard to make those projections. Yeah. And you also have someone like Mooney who runs, you know, almost 40% out of the slot. You have somebody like DJ Moore who's running at least 17% in the slot. So they're going to have to, he's not going to be able to run. We'll probably see Claypool in the slot 50% of the time. Right. Ish. It's very similar to what he did last year, but he's not going to be able to just park there because they have these guys rotate as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a complicated offense this year. And quite frankly, I think people are overpaying for Justin Fields based upon the amount of rushing or based upon the amount of passing attempts that they're going to have. Um, and they're going to be strictly relying on his legs. So um, I'm not, Cole Komet, I'm not I, Cole Komet, I have it tight end, like uh, a low end tight end too. Like I have him at tight end 20, a 14% target share with three touchdowns. I know he scored nine last year, but DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney were uh, DJ Moore wasn't in the lineup. Darnell Mooney was injured for a lot. Chase Claypool was injured a lot. So there was a lot of, there was immense reliance on Cole Komet and I only have him at 14% target share. So I don't think that it's going to be like, he was a sleeper for a lot of people last year, but only hit a couple spike weeks and, I think we're going to see Cole Komet revert to just being a mad tight end moving forward. It breaks my heart. I like Cole Komet. Or, um, or it's because Robert Tunyon, you know, Robert Tunyon, my boy, no, is going to take happen. over T- the time. Tunyon's, Tunyon's <laughs> guard. He, Tunyon had his, he had his glory year. He's done. Um, Cole, Cole Komet, for me, I have 16% target share. He was, he was almost, he was 19.3% last year. He was 21.2% target rate. Um, I agree though. He was kind of force fed opportunities because there was a lot less on the field. There's a lot more people. There's a lot more to this offense now than there was last year. Again, we talked about the pass volume. There's a lot to be concerned about here. I do think he has a place in the red zone, um, which we saw him last year. It wasn't used that much, but again, we have Russian quarterback. He's just going to run inside the red zone as well. So there's a lot of concern with all these pass catchers. I could sit here and bitch about the Bears all night, but let's move on to the last team. Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Kirk Cousins still here. I know there's been trade war- uh, rumors swirling around. I expect him to stay. Uh, I like Cousins this year. Um, I, I like they went out and got Addison. I think 
Osborne presents to be a value this year where there's still scuttle about Cook being gone. We expect him to be gone now, which presents a lot of different opportunities for this backfield. But if that does happen, it's going to open up the receiving game or let's just say the opportunity in the receiving game even more for these pass catchers. Um, let's start with just the quarterback position. Let's just run through. Let me go through one second. I just accidentally hit the back button on the projections. So let's go through the NFC North. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about Kirk Cousins. So 16, I've, I've always put quarterbacks at 16 games. I just always do one game as they're not playing. Um, but I have them at 560 pass attempts, which is number eight highest in the league for pass volume in this side. So yeah, eighth highest passing attempts inside the league for, for the Vikings. I have them for 4,144 pass yards, 30.2 passing touchdowns, and 12.3 interceptions. How does that compare to yours? Uh, I feel like I'm really bullish on Kirk Cousins this year. I think this could turn into the Matthew Stafford 2021 season for the Rams. Like it was year one under O'Connell. Now we're getting into year two. The the Minnesota Vikings were one of the past heaviest uh, offenses last year. They just traded one of their keystone defensive pieces in Zadarius Smith. And so I'm bullish on the pass volume. Last year, Kirk Cousins, 643 pass attempts. I have him, and I know this is 17 games and blah, 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 but I have him at 700 pass attempts this year, 469 completions, 35 passing touchdowns, 15 picks, and two rushing scores. So, so do you have him as the number one pass heaviest offense then? Uh, I uh, Among the, the teams we've looked at so far and the other ones I've done projections for, yeah, they're going to be either number one, two, or three. Like, uh, it's... Yes, it's, 700 and 700 would be number one in my projections. I have the Chargers at 680. Yeah, so this is a team that I think is going to lean into the passing game, uh, and it's going to be really, uh, really massive for all of their passing, uh, all of the passing options. If you want to get in on any of these, I think now is the time before people wise up to, oh, the Vikings actually passed that much. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, yeah. And they will continue to because of, like, they've just replaced Adam Thielen with, as you mentioned earlier, Jordan Addison. So, um, yeah, I'm bullish on Kirk Cousins this year. I know a lot of people were in on Cousins last year with the stacking of Justin Jefferson, but we're just going to go back to the well now that we have clarity on the Cousins quarterback situation. <laughs> Let's talk about the running game because this one this one could get really interesting, right? Right now, really interesting really quickly. Really quickly. And it could really mess up another backfield too in the process. But as of today, we have to project Cook as the starter here because he's still here. We can't just put him on another team because he's not on another team. We expect him to be on another team, but you can't do that projection. So I still have him projected for 46% of the rush here. I've already begun kind of allocating some of those snaps to other running backs on this team, just in anticipation of it happening. Because even if he's not gone, I think the signals that they're going to use him a little less than they have in the past. So that gets him just at 200 rushing attempts, 908 rushing yards and 7.2 touchdowns on the ground. Madison starts climbing now with 36% of the rush share, 155 rushing attempts, 618 rushing yards and 5.7 rushing touchdowns. This is where it gets interesting because I have Ty Chandler right now as the number three who would immediately become the number two in this offense for me. McBride is a little behind him there, but 
these guys right now aren't really worth mentioning because Cook is still on the team. But if he's gone, Chandler probably becomes a 25 to 30 percent rush share kind of guy, which would probably put him in that realm of 130 ish rushing attempts, which is now a usable player in fantasy. That's like a flex option at times running back. And if Madison got hurt, now he's an RB1 inside this offense because we've seen Madison be an RB1 anytime he's been given the full workload. So this backfield is very intriguing. I've been taking a lot of dart throws on on Madison. I threw a dart round 20 dart throw last night on Ty Chandler in a FFPC best ball with my draft partner, Dave Hubbard. And so we have to start looking at this backfield. We have to start analyzing it more and we have to watch it very closely because it can change like that. This is one we, as you mentioned, it's difficult to monitor, but when it comes to who are the other options, Madison is not safe as the, as the immediate replacement. Chandler's good. Chandler is good. And my boy, Dwayne McBride, no matter where's the camera. There we go. (laughs) Dwayne McBride, no matter what I, if you are familiar with best bell fantasy, you know, I have been putting that up every single time. Dwayne McBride is my boy. And I know that Billy Ty Chandler is your guy in this backfield. That's fine. Like I don't hate Ty Chandler. I have how much, uh, what is my sleeper percentage? Uh, let, come on, load here. Uh, I have uh, Ty Chandler, for near almost forty percent of my dynasty leagues have Ty Chandler. That's okay, so That's higher than me. <laughs> look, it's <laughs> Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride everywhere in dynasty. Uh, but I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Kane Nwangwu, and a lot of people. He was drafted what third, fourth round a couple years ago but he's a special teams ace. He's had 22 career carries over the last two seasons, averaging less than four yards a carry. He averaged less than two yards a carry last year on, on 12 care. I think it was 12 carries. Like this is a backfield that feels actually once cook leaves more like Chicago, where we don't know exactly who's going to step forward. And we each like a certain guy a little bit more, but it's going to come down to, I think, Who's going to fit the roles that the Vikings want? And I think that maybe we see a two-headed monster, like a pass-catching possibility. Maybe it's Ty Chandler who's who's catching passes, and Dwayne McBride is the is the goal line back, or maybe Madison is you know cycled in. We don't know, uh, but they paid Madison to be the lead back and the number two. But I think it's fragile because he's not been efficient the last couple of years. Less than four yards a carry each of the last couple of years. Uh, and he's disappointed in a couple games where he's had to step in for Cook, and we've gotten like running back two weeks, you know, and it, even though he's gotten the volume. So I think that all of that for the running back position, but Billy, let's take a macro view. Like, let's take a step back and look at if we are so bullish on Kirk Cousins and the passing volume, then we can't be super optimistic about the rushing volume no, of this yeah. Minnesota Vol- Minnesota Vikings offense. So it may get really messy because they may just give eight carries to three different guys. But that's fine because you have Cook who was going to see 200-ish rushing attempts. So you split that up amongst Madison Chandler and McBride, and that's still a good amount for any of these guys. And when two of them are going near the end of drafts, if maybe even undrafted in Ty Chandler's most of the time, Right. It, it's it presents themselves as an opportunity to to attack this backfield, especially now and roll the dice and take some risks because we know there's going to be an opportunity for one of these backs or the Vikings could totally mess it all up and bring somebody like Fournette or Kareem Hunt 
and just kill all of our dreams and wishes here, um, which is also another possibility. But I'm a big believer in risking it for the biscuit, rolling the dice, and I'm taking stabs on Ty Chandler late. I'm taking stabs on Dwayne McBride late because we know there's going to be more opportunity than what is currently projected for this offense. Well, let's let's wrap up. Let's go into the passing game real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about Justin Jefferson. Everyone knows he's the wide receiver one or maybe wide receiver two in your projections. No one has him outside the wide receiver three. He's going to see a lion's share of this, this offense. Where it gets interesting is the number two option in the passing game because when I first ran my projections, I had not only Justin Jefferson for a large share. So he's already counted for for 100 plus targets, right? 169 to be exact. Jordan Addison came in my projections over 100 targets. KJ Osborne came in my projections for over 100 targets. TJ Hawkinson came in my projections for over 100 targets. You talked about how much you liked this offense from a pass-heavy standpoint. I also talked about how much I liked this offense from a pass-heavy standpoint. When everything was said and done and I tweaked, assuming Cook is still on the roster, we've talked about both worlds here. As of today, still on the roster, KJ Osborne at 89 targets. That changes the day that Cook is gone. He's back over 100 targets, my book. But I have Addison right now as the number two in this offense. He comes in as my wide receiver 41. Addison comes in at 101 targets inside my projections. I have him for 64 receptions. I have him for 802 receiving yards, 5.2 receiving touchdowns. KJ Osborne at 15% of the target share, 89.3 targets, 55.3 receptions, 642 receiving yards, and 4.4 touchdowns. Hawkinson is back to my tight end number three now. He is at 21% of the target share, 125 targets, 84 receptions, 855 receiving yards, and six and a half scores. How does it break down for you? Yeah, I, I'm more bullish on Jordan Addison. I think he takes you know that step forward earlier in the year. Like He's a bona fide first-round wide receiver in a pass-heavy offense. So 122 targets, 79 receptions. He's over a thousand receiving yards for me, one thousand twenty-five, uh, and six uh, between six and seven touchdowns. Uh, so one hundred seventy-nine half point PPR points. This is the immediate wide receiver that, like, this is a candidate to be. I, I think Jordan Addison, in this range of outcomes, has a very strong chance to outscore JSN and any other first-round wide receiver in year one. In year two, year three, like JSN takes over and other wide receivers, you know, Quinton Johnston maybe. But Jordan Addison is in the immediate position to score and score a lot. Uh, as The Vikings have come out and said that they're very impressed by his route running. He's going to get a lot of opportunities to win one-on-one with Justin Jefferson getting double teamed or, or coverages shadowing Jefferson's side of the field more strongly. Addison is going to be given a lot of opportunity. He won at USC. He won at Pittsburgh. And so I'm big in on Jordan Addison this year. I think KJ Osborne will fit in nicely still as the number three. I have him at 13% target share, 92 targets, 59 receptions, uh, about 700 receiving yards and between six and seven touchdowns as well. And then TJ Hawkinson, you mentioned 20% target share. 95 receptions on 144 targets. This dude was getting peppered when he joined Minnesota. And that was with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson still getting the targets along with KJ Osborne. 
they can all coexist in this in this offense. I was nine yards short of giving TJ Hawkinson a thousand on the season. I have him at nine ninety one, but I don't think it would be crazy to to get TJ Hawkinson to the one thousand receiving yard mark in this high octane Vikings offense. And then between six and seven touchdowns as well, 188 half point PPR fantasy points. Uh, Hawkinson, I have uh, tight end two, tight end three. I think he still doesn't outscore Kelsey, but it's he's a candidate to get there if Kelsey suffers an injury as the tight end one. Where does Osborne fall into your wide receiver <coughs> rankings? Because this is a guy to me presents to be a very sneaky value in drafts. Like underdog, I stopped counting, but it's like around wide receiver 70 down the list. And I have 62. 62, thank you. And I have Osborne right now at 55 in my receiver ranking. So I guess it's not that much of a discount compared to what I thought it was. But still, I mean, that's just inside the receiver rankings. You add in the other positions. And I just have to say, I think, I mean, he has a chance to be over 100 targets easily. He he could be the number two in this offense. I mean, there's a scenario in which he is the number two option in this in this in this passing volume. So I like Osborne at cost this year. He's a guy I've been consistently going to. So Osborne last year was wide receiver 29 in rate of top five weeks, and it was wide receiver 43 in rate of flex weeks for your best ball team. So he is a value, even with the addition of Jordan Addison. Like Adam Thielen was still getting targets and running routes. It was just that he was running bad routes because he he's fallen off the cliff. Yeah. And if there's a wide receiver, I'm avoiding it cost this year. It's Adam Thielen on Carolina uh, because I don't think he's particularly good. Uh, but KJ Osborne was still able to put up a couple spike weeks. And at wide receiver 62, that should be a smash for you because if you have the opportunity to even have one week where KJ Osborne gives you a top five, uh, top five week, then you have to smash that. You know? So this is something I want to talk about. There's a comment in the chat here from Sean. Osborne is the fourth or fifth option. I don't like him this year. He is the fourth or fifth option. However, because of the passing volume, when you compare it to other offenses, I'm just going to use my projections because they're in front of me. 89 targets as the Jefferson, the one Addison, the two Hawkinson, the three. I have Osborne as the fourth option inside my projections. Okay. 89 targets. That would put him as number two on green Bay. That would put him as number two. On the Lions, that would put him as three receptions behind Mooney, number three on the Bears. But in fantasy points now, if you look at Osborne, or receptions we should talk about even, just let's, let's talk about receptions because we just did fantasy points with the, with the overall piece. On receptions, 55 here, okay? That's going to take him again, number two on Green Bay, number two again on Detroit, and it actually ties him with Mooney now against the Bears. So even the fourth option, is as good, if not better, than every other number two on any other team in this division. That's the argument. It's volume argument is the yep. key. Like, we we are excited about this Vikings offense, and if you don't believe us, like, look up all of the rates, and not just the rates, but also the volume of plays that they get off. So we're uh, we're here for that, and, you know, Sean is also putting in the comments that the defense is going to be bad. Great. Even more that reinforces more. the narrative. Yeah, great. They'll be they'll be trying to get into shootouts. I'm fine with that. So uh you and I see these the Vikings and all of these four of these teams pretty similarly, Billy. It's almost like we should start a podcast together. 
that's right. <laughs> well, Bradley, always a pleasure uh, to record with you, buddy. Always, always nice to sit here and dissect projections. It's always great to have that soundboard, be able to bounce things off each other. Uh, iron sharpens iron, as we always say, uh, to be able to get better as analysts, get better at these projections and help people win some money. Uh, why don't you tell the people what you're working on, where you're at these days and and, and where to find you? Yeah, so uh, honored that this past Tuesday uh, on Player Profiler, Best Bell Fantasy debuted with their fir- with the first episode of Best Bell Fantasy on the Player Profiler YouTube channel. So thanks to Billy and Matt and, and Theo and everyone at Player Profiler for their support. Uh, it's been great getting that launched. And so once a week, I'll be providing some best ball content. I'll be analyzing some best ball teams, uh, analyzing ADP as well for Underdog and, and perhaps other sites. We'll be doing some live drafts later on this summer, getting some great guests on. There's a lot of awesome things that are going to be happening in that show on Player Profiler over the course of the summer. So Tuesdays from 8 to 9 p.m. here on the YouTube channel for Roto Underworld Player Profiler. Make sure you guys are hitting that subscribe button for the YouTube channel as well. Press uh, it now! <laughs> yeah, hit the subscribe button. Uh, but also, uh, I've got a website, bestbellfantasy.com. I'll be updating that pretty regularly. If you want individual player, uh, individual fantasy advice, if you liked uh, getting you know in the conversation, listening to what Billy and I had to say, uh, and you liked the takes that I had as well, uh, I've got some ways to connect with me. Um, and there we go. So appreciate all of you. Check that out. Uh, it's been great chopping it up with you, Billy, and uh, and bringing back the band. Uh, the band it's, is it's back been together. great chopping it up about the NFC North and ragging a little bit on my Packers. That's right. Yeah. Cheese, cheese head. Are they going to be a Swiss cheese team this year, Bradley? Uh, am I what? Are they going to be a Swiss, te- Swiss cheese team? Bunch of holes in them? Look, the, here's <laughs> I, Josh Larkey. Friend of the podcast, Josh Larkey, um, put out uh, tiers of teams for the 33rd team. And I commented based on his thing that I said, uh, the the Packers are quiet contenders for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And Josh replied, yes. So (laughs) they they're in a lot of trouble this year. They need love to show things that he has not shown in the past. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're worried at Packer nation. We should be worried, uh, moving forward. So Billy, yes, a little bit of Swiss, a little bit of Swiss cheese, no love for love from Bradley. Well, that's it folks. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back here next week. I have a special guest coming on next week. We're going to have uh, a recording. Um, but I have Jake Seeley coming on to also discuss projections as well. Podfather is back from Greece next week. So we're going to be moving in uh, a bunch of new shows uh, as of next week as well. So thanks for tuning in, folks. See you back here, as always, on Friday on The Dominator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, you like that video? Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com 
We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all. just wins routes he's a dog right like, like cody's language is rubbing off on me because okay, so i start a dog we can start barking now <laughs> then he goes on this stretch of like quarterback five quarterback eight five one seven five etc and like he rattled eight, off six seven five three oh nine <laughs> i'm so glad we got the band back together Like, you have to think that Matt Nagy actually ruined Justin Fields as a passer. Like, it's possible. And that's like, that is a lot of work to do for Eberflus and the rest of the coaching staff. I'll keep my Matt Nagy comments. Last time I talked about Matt Nagy, I got flagged on YouTube for using some choice words. 